Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is 31 Days in God's Word. This devotional was written specifically for homeschool moms. And the four-hour school day, how you and your kids can thrive in the homeschool life. You can find all three of those books at my website, DorindaWilson.com. You can find them on Amazon, and you can find the four-hour school day at both of those places and any of your favorite booksellers. Well, I'm excited today because I'm going to be talking about discipline tips for littles. I've been getting a lot of emails and messages from moms just surrounding that particular age group. So I thought I would um, address that. And uh, also, I've had my daughter on uh, earlier. I think if some of you listened to the last podcast, we we talked there about life with littles. And in the next podcast, we'll be talking about uh, homeschooling, kind of simple homeschooling tips for five to seven-year-olds. Um, so if you're just starting out or considering homeschooling, that would be a great one to listen to, along with another episode called Essentials in Early Education. Um, that was one I did quite a while back, but it's a really good one on those early years. So hopefully if you haven't listened to those, you will go and do that. All right, so we're going to dive into discipline tips for littles. And when I say littles, I'm talking um, zero to five or six-ish years old. Now, there are some things that I'm going to be sharing that carry on through into the next season um, and the older ages, but I wanted to focus specifically on little ones because sometimes it can be a little confusing as to what we should and shouldn't do and what does discipline look like. And obviously what I'm going to share today is not an exhaustive overview of biblical discipline for kids. I'm basically just sharing from a mentoring mom's heart my own experience, what we did, and um, and I'm, and please know that as I share these things, know that we made our own uh, share our, our own share of mistakes along the way um, because we aren't perfect, moms. That's that's the bottom line. We are not God. He is God, and we are not. But we have Him to help us as we walk through these different seasons with our kids. Um, you know, at the very beginning, it can be uh, an interesting process to kind of figure out like when do we start disciplining our kids? Right? I mean. Obviously, at zero years old, you know, three months old, six months old, you're not really disciplining at that point because they're not blatantly, typically blatantly disobeying us, right? So um, it really depends on the child um, in terms of when you start to set boundaries. But what I want you to remember before I start talking about that is that what we're doing is biblical, the scriptures say clearly what our roles are, our role as a parent and what our kids' roles are. Our role is to not exasperate our children or provoke them to anger. And that's more than just teasing and that kind of thing. Um, that can be one way that we provoke our children to anger. Another way that we can do that is by not disciplining them. Children need boundaries. They want them. They fight them, but they really want them. It makes them feel secure and um, and loved and safe. 
knowing what to expect. So consistency is absolutely key when it comes to discipline. Again, none of us are perfect parents, so there are going to be times when we mess that up and we aren't as consistent as we'd like to be, but we just go back to it um, so that our kids know nothing has changed, the boundaries are still the same. So we want to not exasperate our children by not disciplining them. We also don't want to make things so hard for them that they can't meet the standards. So we have to keep our kids ages and stages somewhat in mind as we're walking out this, um, the discipline in this season of life, in any season that we have with our kids. But specifically this one, we want to be aware that there's certain things that they're just not going to be able to grasp. We gave an example the other day when I was talking to my daughter on the, ep- the last episode, we talked about how when one of her kids uh, just has a stinky attitude and won't kind of get a grip on it, she has them go and sit on their bed until they can quote unquote be happy. Because at two or three years old, they don't understand the whole concept that that we're not here to serve our emotions. We're here to we're here to glorify God. We're here to do what He tells us to do, and He tells us to honor our parents. And He talks about you know rejoicing always. And you know obviously Scripture wouldn't support a stinky attitude, right? Um, because if you go through the New Testament, you see all those places where we're supposed to treat each other with love and kindness, and um, you know etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But a two or three year old is not going to understand that. What we're trying to instill in them at this point is a certain amount of self-control. And it's amazing how much self-control little ones can actually have. Now, um, you wouldn't think that judging by your, uh, probably your, and for sure my trips to Walmart. And I understand that there is that periodic, even with the most well-behaved child, there can be a periodic, you know, implosion in the middle of a store. So never judging a parent based on you know one 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 thing that we see with them right but we i think it's important to understand that we are the important thing is that we're consistent at home and we are being consistent with our kids on a regular basis and um we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for progress, right? We want our kids to have self-control. And so that's one of the earliest things that we're teaching them because here's here's what we're doing at this stage of the game. We are laying a foundation as we begin this, uh, begin to uh, fulfill our role as parents in terms of disciplining our kids. Um, we're laying a foundation. And if you know anything about construction, you have to know that the concrete has to be, um, well, the frame, first of all, that you pour, the forms that you pour the concrete into have to be very, very precise. And there has to be a lot of watching carefully as the concrete goes in, first building the forms and then pouring the concrete in. You want everything square and level because the whole structure of the house is dependent on that foundation. Is the foundation beautiful? when you're done working on it? No, there is nothing gratifying really about laying a foundation unless you understand why you're laying the foundation and unless you understand that the rest of the house and all of its beauty and all of these other things that are more fun to see, the fruit, um, 
are are really dependent on how solid, level, and square that foundation is. So that is what we are doing in the early years. And it will feel mundane. It will feel repetitive, but consistency is absolutely the key. I am sure that the guys who are laying the, uh, pouring the foundation, making the forms, are thinking the same thing. This is mundane and uh, and repetitive, right? We're doing the same thing over and over again to ensure that things are square and level. So we are doing that. We are being diligent day to day. This doesn't mean we're we're you know barking at our kids all the time and we're constantly you know setting setting standards that are not age appropriate for them. But like I said before, our kids are actually capable of more than we think. Now, back to my daughter's story about putting the kids on the bed, they understand that when they come out, they need to show that something has changed. And so again, that is exercising self-control. I did the same thing with our kids. And as they got older, I basically said, you know, um, if you're going to be miserable, you're going to be miserable alone because people who are miserable and um, awful to the people around them will end up being alone. That is a natural consequence. But again, you can't explain that to a two-year-old. Um, I think another thing we need to keep in mind, again, is that we are not perfect. We are sinful. Our children are not perfect. They are sinful as well. So we're not shooting for absolute precision or perfection. We're just shooting for obedience. We want to walk in obedience to the Lord and we trust Him for the outcome. So again, it's going to feel mundane, repetitive. It takes a lot of self-discipline, moms, and a lot of self-discipline, um, you know, a lot of self-discipline and a lot of self-control to walk this role out well, to to do this in a way that glorifies God. It means we have to get up when we don't want to get up, when that child is across the room giving us the eyeballs and doing exactly what we told them not to do. And we don't give 10 million warnings. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. I don't want to dive into that right now. But again, when do you begin? I think that was the question I kind of started with. Well, it just, like I said, it depends on the child. Now, I had a very happy eight-month-old um, at one point in time who still needed training. The, the kid was smiling all the time. He was a happy kid. He wasn't a blatantly, you know, like, I'm going to go wreak havoc, crawling here, crawling there, tearing everything down. That that wasn't what he did. But I did notice that when um, when we were around like a I had like a coffee table and maybe there were things on the coffee table that I didn't want him to touch. Now, typically I didn't have that in my home because I, I wanted to limit the number of, of um, you know, confrontations or whatever you want to call it, uh, temptations for our kids. There were enough temptations already, so I didn't see the need to have to fight, fuss over something on a coffee table. However, when we go to other people's houses and we're in other places, I need to be able to tell my little eight-month-old no, and he won't touch it. And I will know that he won't touch it because he'll look at me and he'll know. And the reason he'll know is because of what um, what I what was a super helpful thing for me was utilizing training sessions. So what happened was I purposely 
set up what I call a training session, and I put one or two things on the coffee table intentionally that I did not want him to touch. Well, of course, the first thing he did was crawl up to the coffee table and pull himself up and immediately reach for that. And I would say, "Uh, no, Ben. And he would just look at me and smile because he, you know, figured he could go ahead and touch it. And I would say, no, Ben, and I would flick his little hand. And he looked at me, and of course, he was a little bit surprised. And depending on the child, some of them will burst into tears. Others will just look at you and smile and wait a little bit and try again, which is what was, which is what Ben did. And, you know, so we just spent, you know, five, 10 minutes just with me sitting close by. And then I acted like I wasn't looking for a while to see if he would try it when I wasn't looking, and he did. And so I would just be consistent and say, no, Ben, that's not for you. And I would flick him no, Ben, don't touch or whatever phrase you want to use. I tried to use a consistent phrase that they would recognize when I was out, you know, in other places. Um, I would say, no, don't touch that or no, Ben. And, you know, then he knew that was his cue because he'd been trained. When I say that, that is, that means don't touch that thing. And it is amazing how quickly they can pick up on that and learn that. And then when you go out places, it is so much more pleasant because you know that you can tell your child no to something and they will actually listen. And what a witness and a testimony this is to the people around us. This is what we've seen with our own kids, and now we're seeing it with our grandkids, where people are just floored at how well-behaved they are. They're not little robots. They're not afraid. They're not fearful. They are happy, joyful, bright-eyed children who know how to obey their parents, and they know uh, where the boundaries are. And of course, they periodically press those boundaries, but that's our job to tell them that nothing has changed. Life is consistent. Life is the same. Um, You can count on it. And this is what creates, helps give our kids security um, is is knowing that the boundaries are are the same wherever we go. So um, again, with babies, it's it's important to understand uh, to understand that they understand more than you think. Also, to not give too many warnings. Um, I used flicking and pinching as my main ways of getting their attention. Um, some of them required a little bit harder flick or pinch than others, but you want to get their attention. That's the point. And again, the training sessions can be super, super helpful. Um, We even did what's called blanket time. And what that was is I trained our little babies to stay on a blanket. Obviously, if they're sitting up and they're not crawling yet, it's not a problem. But as they began to crawl, um, and I didn't do this with all my kids, but as I had more kids, I found the need to know that they would stay on a blanket for a certain amount of time. I did not expect them to stay on a blanket for an hour or even 30 minutes, but maybe 15 minutes, but we would work our way up there. And so it would be, you know, sit them on the blanket. I would give them new toys to play with. And then, um, and then I would just sit off to the side and just patiently wait. And eventually they would try to crawl off the blanket and I would put them back. Nope, stay on the blanket. And they would do it again a little bit later and then put them back, stay on the blanket. And we just did this. It was very repetitive, again, very mundane, but very effective as I did it day 
day in and day out. Maybe I did one or two training sessions per day for several days. And before you know it, they had it down. And what happened was then when I was doing schoolwork with the kids, or if we were at church where we brought our children into church with us, I could literally put that baby down on a blanket for big chunks of time. And then of course I would pick them back up because church is longer than 15 minutes. Or I'd put them down there for five or 10 minutes and then hold them for a while and then put them back down. And um, and it was just such a blessing to be able to have that kind of, those kinds of boundaries set with such young children and it made going places much more pleasant. And of course, most of you know, we didn't go a ton of places because I was about being home and consistent. And in order to do that, I had to be home. But when we did go places, it was so wonderful to know that the kids knew uh, what the boundaries were and that they would respect those. And of course, there was that periodic pushing of the boundaries. And and at that point, I had to be willing to leave a cart of groceries if this was happening in the grocery store. And it was clear that they were not going to, um, weren't going to obey, weren't going to stay within the boundaries that I was, I was requiring of them. Um, I would have no hesitation to park the cart and haul everyone back out to the car and and deal with the said child. And with that in mind, we're going to move into toddlers because we all know that toddlers are the big, they are a big challenge because they're going through so many different things developmentally. And it, it's easy uh, to make excuses for them. So we have to be careful not to do that. But at the same time, we have to remember where they are developmentally. So, you know, for young children, you might be asking, well, what do boundaries even look like at this age? You know, because maybe you didn't grow up in a home where there were healthy boundaries or you've never seen it done well. Um, you know, obviously the boundaries that you personally set, if there's some, a lamp or something in the house that they're not supposed to touch, um, you do not have to clear every single thing out of your house and remove every temptation. Put it at a level that is sustainable for you to be able to train your children well. But I think some of the general things that I would mention when it comes to what what kind of boundaries we're talking about, um, obviously obedience. When you tell your child to do something, they do not get to ignore you. So you have to be the one to watch and see if they're actually following through. If you tell them to do something and you walk away, there's a pretty good chance, probably a 95% chance that they are not going to do it unless you have spent time uh, training them to obey you. And this is really, really important because scripture tells children to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. And I used to tell my kids, um, if you if you do this, this, it will go well with you. If you don't, it will not go well with you. And we need that consistency. We need to be aligned with the full counsel of scripture, which is telling us that we are to set the boundaries and our children are to keep those boundaries. So we want our kids to obey us. If my child runs toward the street, I need to be able to say, so-and-so, stop, and they will stop dead in their tracks. You can even have... Uh, training sessions doing that. We've had that um, in a parking lot where we're like, you need to hold our hands. And you know, they don't like to hold your hands. It doesn't matter. You need to hold my hand. And then of course, as they get a little older, you can have them walk alongside you because you know 
that there is an established um, boundary there that they know and you know. And then you you slowly are letting that out a little bit and saying, you don't have to hold my hand and you can just walk beside me, beside me. But if you run and you take off, you will be holding my hand again. Again, just a simple, a simple boundary set. Um, the other thing that we want to, um, and we want, okay, so on the obedience thing, we're not going to give 10 million warnings. We're not going to count because when we count, what's happening is our children are training us um, as well as us training them. We're, we're training them to wait until we get to a certain point, either a certain uh, number of times that we count. Um, you know, we're just basically putting off the inevitable. Um, we don't want to say here, um, I'm telling you to do this, but you know, you have to the count of 10 to do it. That's not what we want. What we want is to be able to tell our children, hey, can you go fill in the blank? Uh, you know, go get a towel for mommy. And they immediately run and go do it. One of the things that I did with our kids was to have them say, yes, mom. And the reason that I had them do that is because I wanted to know that they heard me. That was acknowledgement that they heard me. So if they did not follow through, that was on them. And plus, I wanted them to just like respond somehow. Um, so that was that was that was something that we used a lot. And um, again, not too many warnings. Follow through, absolutely essential. That means we're going to be inconvenienced, moms. So. Everything that I've mentioned up to this point, um, the training sessions, the stopping and making sure that your children are following through, this is one of the biggest and most important things that you are doing during these years. Don't let yourself get so caught up in and hung up on, we've got to do this activity and that activity, and we need to do this in homeschooling wise. You are laying an absolutely essential foundation that you can't go back and lay again later. And this will not only feed into your family life and your parent-child relationship, it will feed into your homeschooling. So when your child and you have this mutual respect because you've laid this foundation by being consistent in discipline and biblical in discipline, homeschooling is going to go so much better. So um, one of the other things, so, so we're talking about boundaries. What do boundaries look like at this age? I talked about obedience. Also, you know, them doing things that they know they're not supposed to do. So not even a situation where you're saying, go do this or don't do this, but they know that something is is something that they're not supposed to do or not supposed to touch or not supposed to play with, and they do it anyway. That is cause for discipline. So the, now we've kind of covered the obedience part of it. The other part that I want to talk about is is how they speak, how they talk. I hear so many young children being really flippy-mouthed. That's the only way I can describe it. Really disrespectful to their parents. People seem to think it's cute and funny because we see these things on Instagram and, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. Like one of the ones that just cracks me up, but at the same time terrifies me Many of you may have seen this one where this little boy is uh, trying to negotiate with his mom. 
And his mom is saying whatever to him. And he's saying, Linda, 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 calling her by her first name and treating her as though he, she is his equal. Okay. It was hysterical. You could just see him just trying so hard. And I mean, you know, kudos to him for the effort. But the flip side is I would never let my children speak to me like that. Even if it's cute, even if it makes me laugh, it's very important that we establish respect in our relationship with our children. Obviously, how we speak to them will affect how they speak to us, but they are also going to press the boundaries. They're going to see things. They're going to hear things from other kids in different places, and they're going to try them at home. And you need to be diligent. We need to be watchful because what's going to happen is you're establishing respect in the relationship and you want to maintain your authority and your respect as a parent. And in order to do that, this has to this has to stay within certain boundaries. Then as you go into the preteen years and the teen years, there is an established respect there. You want that there. What people tend to do when it comes to discipline is when the kids are little and they can manhandle them and it's cute and they can record it and share it with people, um, they let they let their kids do things that they shouldn't do. And then as they start to get older and they can't manhandle them anymore and the kids no longer have any respect for them because they haven't been consistent with boundaries and been respectable, all of a sudden you've got preteens and teens who don't want to hear anything you have to say and are just, you know, you can set a boundary, but they're just going to break it because you taught them early on that that was okay. So we want to be really careful not to do that. One of the things also we need to pay attention to is how they speak to other people, how they speak to each other. When my kids were speaking to other adults, I made sure that they were respectful and they tended to always be respectful. Every now and then there was like a fun loving adult that was just really good with them and sort of got on their level. And then they would sometimes press the boundaries because they saw that person as coming down to their level. And we have to help them keep that boundary. You know, yes, you're having fun with Mr. So-and-so, but make sure that you're respectful, you know, that kind of thing. And then how they speak to each other. And this is a whole other thing that can be included in a whole talk on sibling relationships, which um, I, I would like to do here um, in the near future. But how our children speak to each other, is it's a very important thing to be paying attention to. We don't want, you know, a little teasing, a little, you know, you know what I mean? Just a little fun, loving prodding here and there is totally fine. Just a little bit of, you know, just fun, loving teasing. But you have to know where that boundary is. Um, and you can't necessarily let the children set it for you because sometimes you've got that child who is way overly sensitive and takes everything wrong. Well, then we need to work on that character issue and we need to talk about how uh, brother actually didn't, he wasn't trying to be mean. He was just having fun and just encouraging them to have fun with him. It's important that our kids learn to laugh at themselves, you know, um, and that's something that comes easier for some than others. All right, so not too many warnings, follow through. Uh, we need to be consistent because again, we don't want to provoke our children to anger. Now, 
I'm going to talk about something that is a little bit of a can of worms. Oh, but before I do that, let me remind you, um, when you talk about, when I was talking about how they speak to you or how they speak to each other, one line that I use a lot to give them a little bit of a warning, instead of just saying, don't talk to your sister like that, I would say, do you want to try that again? Do you want to try that again? I want to give them a couple of tries. And if they're just still not wording it well, I would say, how about, and then I would phrase it in a way that was respectful and honoring of the other person. Because what you're doing is you're teaching them, first of all, to think it through and try to come up with a better way to say something, which is, I mean, that's literally, that is language arts, that's communication. Oh my goodness, so many things being learned there. It's it's processing, auditory processing. Um, so, you know, don't think there's no education happening here because there there is a ton of that going on as we're disciplining and talking through things with our kids. But um, we, we want to encourage them to, first of all, think about what they said, try to come up with something else. And then if they can't, we help them. We give them a tool. We show them what it looks like to say it in a way that is honoring and respectful to the other person. Okay, so now we're going to get into a bit of a can of worms. Now, there are a lot of people out there who talk about discipline and completely avoid this topic. Um, I am not going to do that. I'm going to take the risk that you all know me and you know my heart. If you're a new listener, uh, please don't let this uh, throw you off. But I'm going to talk about spanking because, because it needs to be talked about. And spanking is a biblical form of discipline. And if you don't believe that, I encourage you to go to the scriptures and search out for yourself. Now, when I talk about spanking, I am talking about biblical spanking. I am not talking about beating. I am not talking about um, spanking when you're angry or frustrated. I am talking about a very simple procedure with hugs and forgiveness and we're done and we walk away and it's over with and we move on to the next thing. It is a wonderful way to bring closure quickly to disobedience. Um, the world will tell us is absolutely taboo, which tells me it's not because the world is a, a running list of opposites from what God's word says. The church avoids this as well because it has sort of jumped into that into, onto that bandwagon as well, but also doesn't want to be litigated, doesn't want to have, um, oh, people coming after them for this. Um, so I'm just addressing it because I want you to know that it is a biblical discipline tool done within biblical standards. So if we are angry or frustrated we are unqualified to administer this kind of discipline. We need to hit the pause button and we need to take a break and we need to pray. And we need to ask the Lord to calm our hearts and our emotions. And then we follow through with a very simple, like I mentioned before, just a very simple version of this. Um, 
I have mentioned before that I believe in the full counsel of scripture. We do not get to pick and choose and cherry pick what we want to what we want to, what we want to believe and not believe. And the scripture is is pretty clear. It's very clear on this. Um, and the thing is with spanking, if you start early and you're consistent, it really becomes unnecessary after a very short amount of time. But make no mistake, it is a biblical discipline. If you, like I said, if you disagree with me, that is absolutely fine. I just encourage you to search the scriptures. It's something that is uncomfortable even for me to talk about here because I know how people feel about it. And I know there are people out there who have been victims of abuse. And the idea of doing this seems absolutely um, completely out of their wheelhouse and out of their ability to even wrap their heads around it. But there are so many things as believers that are hard for us to do that God calls us to do. Um, and so we have to, we need to take this to the Lord. We need to lay it at his feet. We need to seek his heart, seek his word, and listen carefully to what he has to say. But don't be afraid to broach the subject of biblical spanking. And so I think that's all I'm going to say about that right now. But again, um, Please know my heart in all of this. We did utilize this this tool because it is a biblical tool, but we didn't have to do it for very long with each child because it was it was so effective, especially in those early early years. So um, that's all I'm going to say about that. But I'd like to move on to some other forms of discipline because we have options out there um, that are really effective. Um, and they can be a better fit for certain situations and certain age groups, especially as they start to get older. <clears throat> I mentioned time on the beds. Hitting that pause button uh, gives you a chance to think and pray a little bit um, and then for you to come back together. Um, specifically, I mentioned earlier, if you're going to, you know, the little child who is struggling with self-control, uh, you need to go sit on your bed until you can be happy. Okay, so there's that. It's kind of like a timeout. Um, the thing I had to watch was to make sure that my kid actually stayed on their bed. This was another thing, and that can become another discipline issue. And this is why discipline in these early years takes up so much of our time, because if we really want to follow through and we really want to be thorough, we have to be present and we have to have margin in our days. We cannot be overscheduled. We can't be running from one activity to the other. Please do not lay down the good training of your children on the altar of activities and things that, quite frankly, are just more fun. It's so tempting to do that. But please make this investment. You will not be sorry. A couple of good parenting books that I love, Don't Make Me Count to Three. This is by Ginger Hubbard. It has been around for a really long time. So uh, that's a great one. Um, parenting by Paul Tripp. Um, I'm writing these down to make sure that I include links. Uh, and then... The one that we read early on and absolutely loved was Shepherding a Child's Heart. So um, I would say that those are <laughs> those are about the only three that I can off the top of my head 
always recommend. Um, So I'll leave a link to those in the podcast notes. So you've got time on the beds. Uh, Tomato staking. Oh my goodness, you guys, that is a wonderful tool. It is a relational uh, parenting tool. And I'm not going to go into the details of it. It's it's podcast 163. If you, I will include the link in the show notes. But it goes into a detailed description of what it is, and it's like a 20 minute podcast. But it's a very relational type parenting tool, and it's very very effective. It is actually one of my favorite parenting tools. I guess because I'm super relational, and I have found that when I use it. Um, It really helps me connect with my kids. And just briefly, what it is, is keeping your child with you. You know, when you grow a tomato, when it starts to get, the plant starts to get taller, it starts to fall over and the branches break. So you have to stake it to something that's solid and immovable, right? And so when our children are out of sorts, um, often taking them and just keeping them alongside of us in everything we're doing Um, can be a wonderful way to sort of right the ship. What I have found is that as I pull them into that, you know, maybe I'm, maybe the kids are off playing, but I've got this one child that I am tomato staking with me throughout the day or throughout the afternoon, however long I feel like I need to do it um, until I see an attitude change and I feel like it's going to be okay to let them go. Um, I keep them with me. I'll maybe fold laundry and I'll just have light conversation with them. I'll hand them maybe some some uh, washcloths to fold up and work alongside of me. And we just talk about lots of different things. It's not a punishment. It is more like just tying strings of fellowship and helping them uh, sort of write their attitude And, you know, when they miss out on playing with their siblings or being able to go do other things, um, and the focus is simply sort of like, you know, just spending time with me so that we can kind of um, make sure that their heart is in a good place, um, it's amazing how effective that can be. You know, just like you and I, if we're, if something's out of sorts with us in our spirit or whatever, and we just go spend time in the presence of the Lord, it's like tomato staking ourselves to the Lord. He helps right the ship. He helps align our hearts. And so we are setting that example with our kids when we use tomato staking. More details on that. Uh, I'll put in the the podcast link or the link to that podcast so you can get um, a few more details on that. Now, um, another thing that I want to mention is... um, Sometimes things like physical um, activity. This was really kind of more as they got older. I would have them, you know, like run around, uh, run around the house 10 times, specifically the boys, because they tend to have a lot of pent up energy. And often the reason that they're struggling is because they just need to blow off some energy, blow off some steam. So sometimes I will also put them to work. I'll give them a job to do. Uh, often I have found that the one that I end up doing that the most with is my child that tends to be a provoker. So that's the one who keeps needling everybody, right? I take that or getting into trouble. One of my grandsons does this. If his energy isn't directed, he's almost three, but when his energy isn't directed and he doesn't have things to do, specifically to do, he gets into things and he, you know, gets a marker out and does whatever to whatever, you know. And so what 
instead of getting frustrated and constantly cleaning up messes, um, my daughter keeps him busy doing things. So she has another, she has a baby. So often he can run and go get a diaper for her, or he can go put something away, or she can have him go check on something. And so she just gives him things to do. And it makes, it's really more like a redirect of his energy. Um, Because sometimes that's what they really need is a redirect. And we're showing them that, hey, when you've got this energy, they're not necessarily like comprehending all of this, But we're showing them that when you have this energy and you're tending to do things you shouldn't, take that energy and do something good with it. And what happens is they actually grow in confidence and they are so much happier and you have a lot less messes to clean up. But again, this takes time. None of this is something that's going to happen overnight. None of this is something that you can do in a day or a week. This is a commitment, moms to disciplining our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so um, I encourage you to check out the parenting books that I recommended, to listen to the Tomato Staking um, podcast, and um, and listen to last week's uh, episode with my daughter on, on Life with Littles. She had some really great things to share there as well. Um, but I hope that some of these things are helpful to you. Obviously, this is not a, you know, like I said before, it's not a broad, um, you know, all-inclusive podcast on disciplining littles. It's just I'm throwing um, things out there that I have learned, things that I've done, things that my kids are doing as parents that are very effective. But the most important thing is that we are doing what God has called us to do. We are walking in obedience to Him as we raise our children for him. We are called to raise godly children and have a godly home. Now, that doesn't mean our home is absolutely in perfect order all the time. It's going to be messy. Discipline is messy. Our houses are going to be messy. But we continually work um, and we do what God calls us to do in discipling and disciplining our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we do it for His glory. We do everything for His glory. So we discipline our children for His glory. This isn't for our gratification. It isn't so that we can show them off to other people. This isn't so um, we can just make life easier for ourselves, although that is a wonderful side benefit that can can happen eventually where we, we do end up. It's a fruit of obedience is what it is. This is about obedience to the Lord. This is what he has called us to. And there is no higher calling at this point in time in terms of where you're going to spend the bulk of your time. So I just want to encourage you, moms and parents, if dads are listening to, um, understand that you are laying a foundation. You, it will. This will feel mundane. It will feel repetitive. Consistency is key. And husband and wife, you can You can do this because you are a team. This is the wonderful thing is when one parent is weak, the other can be strong. Try to be on the same page when it comes to everything. If you're in disagreement on anything, like whether or not the kids should touch this lamp or not, talk it out and get it worked out so that you can be consistent with your child. Um, So... That's all I have to share for today. I hope this was an encouragement to you. Thanks for joining me. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you for these little souls that you have given to us to to raise for you. What a privilege and an honor. These lives were created by you and, 
and you have given them on loan to us. And we have the opportunity to invest in them. And we're really investing for eternity. This is about your kingdom. This is about glorifying you. This is about about reflecting the gospel and who you are to others through our families. Thank you that our job is, is, is simple, not easy, but it's simple. Help us to stay laser focused on what you've put in front of us. Help us to put blinders on when it comes to things that would distract us from this high calling. Lord, I pray your blessing over every parent listening. I pray that you would fill their homes with your peace and with your presence. Give them wisdom, God, as they walk out their role as their um as the disciplinarians and the the ones who are raising their children for you. God, we thank you for this biblical role. We thank you for, for making it clear. Again, not easy, but clear. We are shooting for the same principles, but the methods as to how we're gonna get there are gonna be vast and varied greatly amongst each family. So God, give every parent wisdom who's listening so that they would have direction from you and they would move forward in confidence and courage and in faith. And we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.